Welcome to the Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Maggie Mutesi and Dumi Jere, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of uh, the Weekly Beat. My name is Dumi Jere, coming to you from Johannesburg in South Africa. And uh, joining me from Kigali this time in Rwanda is uh, my co-host and beautiful sister, Maggie Omotesi. Maggie, how are you doing? I am fine, Dumi. Good morning and uh, a wonderful morning from Kigali, Rwanda. Um, It's been a busy week. I just feel like, you know, last week was quite a week. Mm -hmm. Lots was happening last week. Um, particularly in Kenya with the elections and um, the new president-elect preparing to take over office and the opposition saying they reject the elections. Ah, sounds like a very African story. Actually, I shouldn't just say African story because even America, if I remember correctly, Trump was disputing the elections as well. So, hey, it's a worldwide phenomenon. <laughs> so no one should teach us about in, in, in about values anymore yes 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 you know what's interesting though about the the new president kenya is that hustler movement like i just feel like the entire nation is now full is now in hustle mode the good thing about it is kenya has always been or at least i have always regarded kenya as a you know a hustler nation um Kenya, the vibe of, you know, in Nairobi and, you know, people who are go-getters striving to just make a living and make a difference, come up with all these different innovations. That's amazing. Mm. Isn't this what we feel about Nigeria too? Exactly. Exactly. So Nairobi, Lagos, those are two of my favorite places. Speaking of Nigeria, have you seen that Emirates is actually leaving the market because they couldn't repatriate, I think, over $80 million. And so they have decided to basically just leave. And you know what's funny is that I was reading and uh, Ayato was saying that there is over $464 million in foreign airlines funds that is trapped in Nigeria as as of July. And uh, they were expressing their disappointment, saying, you know, they've been engaging with the government, but the government seems reluctant you know that that entire dollar shortage in nigeria is actually becoming something else mm-hmm. and uh, the funny thing is it happens in lots of countries uh, vividly remember south african airways a south african airline complaining that they were unable to repatriate their monies out of uh, zimbabwe um, so it seems to be, you know, these countries that from time to time face shortages of foreign currency and the little that's available in the country, the government now has to decide what's priority, what's not. And in those cases, uh, the airlines seem to then suffer, which, uh, you know, to an extent makes me worry about um, the... Uh, the viability of the AFCFTA. We are advocating for free movement of people, free movement of goods, ease of travel between countries, relaxing of certain 
aviation rules and so on and so forth. Uh, how really are we going to achieve all of those things when we've got some of these basic things that um hampering you know investments and um the ease of doing business i suppose because then it just then means that a person it is going to be more expensive for a person to fly from lagos if they want to go to you know uh, dubai for example now you got to fly to the next country and then go somewhere else sort of absolutely and then on another note it's just like you know you're losing investors like p- people will be very skeptical no one wants to invest because they will think of the fact yo what if my money actually gets stuck there but also the amount of jobs that are at stake because of moves like this because ultimately when um emirates is exiting uh, it exits with a lot of its stuff if it's local staff, they will close down offices. So if they've had different branches all over the place, all these people are becoming jobless. It's impacting their families. So you're having more uh, jobless people in the country. I don't know. It just feels like, you know, um, I don't think in this urgent era, honestly, these are some of the things we should be dealing with. I just have a feeling that we should, um, we should, for example, this is something that uh, the government of Nigeria should be able to to literally uh, solve. But again, flying is becoming more expensive to me uh, since COVID-19. Now, can you imagine if a ticket had gone up by 15, 20% and now MS is exiting, do you know that you're going to have to go to, for example, Nairobi to be able to fly to Dubai. So it becomes even double the price. So, you know, the cost of traveling around Africa is becoming actually really expensive. Very much so, very much so. Taking a short trip from Nigeria to, well, in West Africa to the Central African region, um, Angola is, 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 is having elections this week, uh, right on the heels of Kenya. Um, it seems to be like, you know, uh, election season in Africa. Uh, we've got uh, Lesotho coming up. I think next month it is. And then uh, Chad is also coming up. Later on in the year, we've got uh, Somaliland, Equatorial Guinea, Tunisia. And then next year, 2023, ah, it's, it, it, it gets lit. Zimbabwe is there, Eswatini, and many other countries. Um, coming back to Angola, though, it's a country that we never really touch on uh, on this on, on the podcast, so... It's only right that we give it uh, much-needed attention, as um, it's 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 not a country we can afford to uh, to ignore. Mm. One because of uh, it's the second uh, largest exporter of oil in in Africa. Um, they've got lots of diamonds. They've got lots of other commodities. Um, so it's a force to be reckoned. Um, now, lots of lots is happening from an economic perspective. Um, you've got uh, the economy that's not quite um, developing, and you've got lots of people that live beyond, I mean, below the poverty datum line, and that poses a challenge for the incumbent um, Joao Lorenzo. His rival is trying to capitalize also on, on, on these. And uh, funny enough, on the opinion polls, uh, 
the rival um, Aldabeto Costa is tipped to be ahead in most of these um, opinion polls. But then again, opinion polls sometimes are just exactly that, opinion polls. What happens on election day is something different. What's your view? What's your feel? Um, Angola obviously matters to me. Like you see, this um, the second uh, largest uh, oil producer in Africa. Uh, I think yeah. they, they churn out about 1.2 million barrels of crude oil in a day. But also, one of the things you mentioned was that the population is living below the poverty line. They're living below $2. So the inequality is unbelievable. But we've, what we've seen in the past with even Lorenko at the time was that, you know, he came in with a lot of force <coughs> in terms of fighting corruption. You know, it's also a corrupt country. And uh, I think we saw what happened with, for example, Isabel de Santos, how he went after, uh, you know, the, the all the money saying, you know, this was acquired in uh, corrupt ways. Uh, I think um, you know, the director of Sonago was arrested. Like there was a lot that was happening, which we have seen in Africa and everybody was welcoming, you know. Ideally, you want a country that works, a country that holds leaders accountable. So um, there was a lot in terms of, yes, he's going to bring change. Yes, um, he's arresting uh, everybody that has been a part of, uh, you know, corruption and all of that. But the question is that much as these guys were corrupt, you know, there were also still very many other corrupt people within the government and the system. So there are a lot of, uh, there is a lot to be said around that, especially with a lot of people that, you know, have come out to say that this might, might have been kind of revenge um but was it what was needed for the economy nobody knows um nevertheless for me i think um uh there is one thing even the opposition leader has been touching on just like kenya i just feel like these countries all are just so indebted like he's been saying he's going to help um ease ease up angola's debt they have a big debt with china um of about 19 billion us dollars and uh, it's one of those countries that, you know, if you you go back during COVID, uh, there were a lot of conversations on how to help them really um, ease up their debt uh, with uh, not just China, but also other foreign countries. So that is, uh, I think, at, at the helm uh, going into these elections. But also, you know, the country has a population of 60% that is below 24 years. Like, this is what we're seeing all over Africa. Uh, Young people demanding for governments that really work. Will the ruling party or the new government really deliver this to people in Angola? I don't know. But uh, the question is, do me for me, why does Angola matter to Africa and to the rest of the world? Obviously, we know it has oil, but why should we really care about its election? Well, on the one hand, um, you've got... Uh, Like I I mentioned earlier on, the country is very rich in oil, gas, uh, diamonds, as well as many other resources. So that's on the one end. Um, It's also a very key partner in the uh, global effort to bring stability to the Great Lakes region because it's a region that has always been very volatile when it comes to war and all of those things. Um, Angola has been uh, the 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 call it the mediator of choice in the conflict between uh, Democratic Republic of Congo and Rwanda. Um, in the bigger scheme of things, any country that produces oil, then you gotta know that 
the US has got its eyes on that country, the EU has got its eyes on that country, and us as Africa as well. So it becomes a key economic partner. Um, for me, the things that uh, worry me about um, um, Angola is, you know, just the economic downturn that uh, has seen a steep rise in the level of unemployment, um, as well as an, you know, an equally steep rise in the cost of living. Uh, because I don't know if you know this, Angola imports a lot of things. It's not so self-sufficient, so it depends on imports for many products including basics like rice, which is like a basic stable in the country. And uh, what you then find with the global downturn is that many people now in Angola cannot afford, can no longer afford, let me put it that way, um, to feed their families uh, more than once a day. And voters with empty bellies are very difficult to convince because they are hungry for change. So it's a lot of, uh, it's an uphill task for the current government. And it's, um, yeah, it presents a huge opportunity for for the opposition. I mean, you were mentioning just now that uh, 60% of the population is below 24. Uh, the war in uh, the civil war in uh, Angola ended, I think, in 1999 or 2000, somewhere there. Um, that's about 21, 22 years ago. So you've got people that were born at the end of the civil war, but they've never really felt any change. Instead, life has just become worse and worse. Corruption has become so rampant. The cost of living has just gone higher and higher. Job opportunities are not available. Um, you the country cannot even guarantee food supplies for uh, for that population that has over the past decade grown by like 1 million every year so that's how much the population has been growing so a lot is at stake and mm, yeah, i mean i mean i like i know we're running out of time but i like how you put it that um uh you have this entire population that is hungry and uh not just their stomach but they are also hungry for change but you know angola angola has also the highest inequality in um i think africa one of those countries where the the inequality is just massive like you have the rich that are super rich and then you have the I don't want to call them poor, but those living on one dollar, you know, also really massive. So you just have this entire disparity and that is already a problem anyway. So, I mean, it's really interesting to watch, but for a country that churns out all that oil in a day, they should be able to actually feed themselves. They should be able to produce. They should be able to manufacture, you know. You know what? We need to touch on that in future uh, podcasts. Um, why Nigeria? Why Angola and all these other oil producing nations are so poor and there's so much inequality yet there is so much richness from the oil that they pump out on a daily basis but uh, for this one we're going to have to leave it here Maggie Uh, let's keep a watchful eye on these elections happening on Wednesday and as always we pray and hope for peace in these things um, and no um, uprisings or anything so 
we're going to keep a watchful eye on Angola and uh, hopefully we can uh, touch on this topic more on our Wednesday follow-up to this uh, to this topic. Uh, folks, in case you've missed any uh, stories that are happening on the African continent, please uh, log on to our website www.mansamedia.africa um, to read up on everything else that you may have missed. From me in Johannesburg and Maggie in Kigali, Till the next episode, here's to peace and profits. The Weekly Beat by Mansa with your hosts, Maggie Mutesi and Dumi Jerry, giving you all the info on Africa's big finance and economic stories. The Weekly Beat by Mansa.